Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay, and welcome to the show. Today's topic, Zack Snyder's Justice League, often referred to as the Snyder Cut. It presents Justice League, the fifth film of the DC Extended Universe and based on the DC Comics superhero team of the same name, as director Zack Snyder had intended it before he left the production. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Yeah, so Justice League, the, uh, it's funny because I remember when we originally got Justice League as was very famously completed by Joss Whedon with heavy notes from the studio and to the point where he's like, don't put my name on this. This is not my movie. This is Zach's movie. This is your movie. I'm only, I'm not having any creator of input. I'm merely doing what you've asked from what you have. Um, and the, the one thing I remember hearing at the time was the studio's directive being you have to keep it under two hours because people don't like long movies. That's what we heard about Batman versus Superman. And everyone's saying, no, it's because you cut out important story beats out of Batman versus Superman. And we don't like long movies that don't go anywhere. Uh, and that, and then what I, I remember telling a lot of people at the time, Oh, what do you think of justice league? I'm like, it was, not, it, was it was all right. It was not bad. But I did feel like there was a person pushing me, like literally a hand in the middle of my back, shoving me through that movie because they couldn't let scenes breathe. It was like, hey, and this is happening now. Oh, what's that over there? No, 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 don't worry about it. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And then the movie ended. I'm like, hmm, should have, uh, you should have sat on this one. Yes. It's, but, yeah. The, the Joss Whedon cut, and he, over the years, has got so much stick for that movie. And you're right, like, he didn't necessarily want his name on it because he wasn't getting too much input. Back then, this was Joss Whedon, like, outside of his TV career, he directed The Avengers, The Avengers, success and critically acclaimed. Yeah, so, like, he would have seemed like an obvious choice. Hey, you did great work over there for Marvel. Come here and do something for us at DC. Which he was, supposed, it was supposed to be a Batgirl movie. It wasn't even supposed to be Justice League. He was just coming in to help them, as they had told him, just finish the editing process. Nothing, nothing crazy, uh, but they needed a director's input. And with the tragedy that had befallen Zack Snyder, obviously he wasn't available to do it. Um, and, you know, from the uh, varied stories we've heard, I, I imagine the, all of the background stuff was why we never got that Batgirl movie. So that, uh, you know, Joss after a while was like, you know what? I'm out. I don't want involved with these people. Uh, and in fact, he hasn't done anything since, to my recollection. He was working on a TV show, The Nevers. I think it might be HBO. It's one of them. And it was getting cl- the project was getting close to finishing, and he left. So that's the only thing I can think of that he's actually worked on since this. It's a project. I don't quite know why, but he had to walk away from it. Mm. So he's not doing a lot in TV and film at the moment. But with the 2017 cut, we we do know that he oversaw reshoots 
changes were made to that film. The best parts of that film are actually in the Snyder Cut. They yeah, are, yeah. They really they're, they're are. Already set, uh, they're, they're already filmed and basically finalized set pieces. Um, and that, those are clearly the, the, the plot points that Ostwedden was trying to work around. Um, but when you see them all put together in context, as we see in this cut, like, ah, yeah, they, they should have just waited. Um, the other big criticism is it, it, it's a continual criticism with all DC movies up until Wonder Woman 84 and including Wonder Woman 84 is the CGI has always looked a little undercooked. Um, just a little, like, just not quite at the line, especially when compared to of the Marvel movies, you know, famously, but this is not the case for this cut of Justice League. These characters, these special effects look phenomenal. The best DC have done so far. Yeah, it's, yeah, for the most part, you're right. Yeah, it is, it is incredible. It's more in line with, as you say, what we see from, from Marvel with their films. Before we fully get into the Snyder Cut, let's talk a little bit about some notable differences i mean the opening of the movie for a start is completely different we've got that awkward video phone interview like for a podcast in that first movie we had that whole thing with henry cavill when he came back and did all his reshoots he was committed to a mission impossible movie and he wasn't allowed to shave his mustache so there's this weird cgi thing which just made him look odd but the movie like whedon's cut started with the interview on the phone. And then cut straight to Wonder Woman in the bank. Yes. And we had Batman in Gotham. Now, admittedly, it's been a a couple of years since I've watched it. The scene, because they had that whole thing, didn't they? Where parademons were attracted to fear. And then Batman was tracking a criminal. And then a parademon turned up, drawn to this guy's fear. And then Batman got into a fight with this parademon. Yeah. Jump towards the end of the movie, like Steppenwolf in the in the Whedon cut, he f- experiences fear because he's getting his ass kicked. And yeah. the parademons take him down. That's not what Joss Whedon does. I say Joss Whedon. I meant Zack Snyder, but in reality, of course, I mean Wonder Woman. Like she really yeah. get to all of that. But there's so many, there's so many differences, and it all comes down to editing, the the look, the the brightness of the Whedon cut compared to this. Like in that 2017 movie having batman in daylight getting knocked on his ass it looks pretty ridiculous yeah in this cut it plays a lot better and we're talking about run times earlier saying nobody wants to sit through a long movie so many people have sat through this four-hour cut of justice league it's all anybody's really talking about online yeah uh and the other thing is you know the the fact it was all shot in imax and instead of doing the normal thing and zooming in uh, and getting a full screen on modern televisions, he's left it four, three ratio. So you're getting the bars down the sides as opposed to the bars across the top and bottom. Everyone's used to, Um, but you're so engrossed in the film. You don't notice those. It's not until probably somewhere at the end um, as they're doing the kind of the epilogue and, it's there's more it goes from the big night dark sequence to back to daylight 
that I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Those bars are there. Um, so don't be put off everyone. And that is a warning if you haven't watched it yet. Oh, hey, we're getting the spoiler warning. That is warning. not an edit, yeah. <laughs> we are going to spoil is, this movie. Watch it first. Yeah, that is not uh, some. That is something that here in Australia or in Binge, when you turn it on, it comes up with a thing. Don't, ignore the bars down the side. It's not a, a fault with your TV. This is as it was supposed to be seen. I heard about that weeks before the movie came out. I've got to be honest. Hearing that news shocked me. I immediately felt dread. I thought, oh no, oh no, Zach, what are you doing? And I've got to be honest, like watching the movie, I just I just went with it completely. I watched it with my wife and I didn't say anything to her. I completely forgot. I didn't say anything to her. And I think just the fact that it comes up with that disclaimer at the beginning, like you're about to view this movie as intended by the director. Yeah. She even question it. Like yeah. just, and I think most people will just go over. I think it, it definitely needs that little message at the beginning, and then people will just go a bit. And most people are just happy to get this cut of the film and will take it in in any form. Although I did see something today, and I'm sure this will be internationally as well. HBO Max are getting ready to release the black and white version of the Snyder Cut. And apparently it's a bit that, longer as well. How oh, is it? Apparently that is Snyder's favorite cut, the yeah. black and white version. And I've seen the clips they put out there of Alfred and Bruce. I I've watched the Snyder cut twice now, right? And <laughs> if I watch it again, and you know, I won't anytime soon because again, I've I've watched it twice in a couple of days. I'll give myself a bit of a break. I can't see me being tempted to sit through a four-hour black and white version of that film. Yeah, personally. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll check it out. I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> you could <laughs> check it out. All right. Well, I'll just ask you if it's worthwhile. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, he's probably done more to it as well. He's a tinkerer. It's like Lucas with the Star Wars films. You know, back yeah. when he was still running things, he couldn't help himself. And yeah, you know. Zach just likes to tinker, and he's been able to do so. I mean, this yeah. to finish the film, I heard that he didn't take a salary or he didn't take any payment. He just wanted Warner Brothers to give him full creative control, which they gave him. But the like, to finish the special effects and the epilogue, I think the epilogue is the only new footage. So the epilogue and... The special effects, seventy million. That's how much it cost to finish it the way that that he intended, which is which is not cheap. And you're putting that on top of, I mean, what three hundred million plus easy for the 2017 film. Yeah, the difference being they've already have made that back from the initial release of the 2017 film, and um, they will make that again off this i think with subscriptions plus deals for streaming outside of the us and then when eventually when we get our uh hopefully 4k uh, blue, uh set um you'll get more back there but that you know to put that into perspective for those who aren't familiar that is more than it cost for ryan reynolds to make deadpool or deadpool 2 uh deadpool 2 had a uh, around that budget uh, from the initial 
58 million he got for the first Deadpool film. So that is a, a, a decent chunk to make a film. And he did that on just the edits and extra footage for this one. The thing looks expensive. Like it really does look <laughs> expensive. You mentioned um, the home media release there. Interesting thing with that, because I checked it again today. At the moment, it's, a, it's going to be available to buy in May, but only in Australia and Germany so far. That's it. I mean, we're fine. We're yeah, we're good. We, we can get it. <laughs> And of course, there's going to be plans to release in other territories, but not yet announced. So that's it at the moment, Australia and Germany and May. So I will be picking up the Blu-ray for sure. Yeah, same. This movie was originally going to be a miniseries, a six-part miniseries, I believe. I mean, the movie's broken up into six chapters or maybe they're going to break it up into four parts, but it certainly wasn't going to be a movie. And it wasn't until January this year that Snyder actually came out and said, we're not doing that anymore. Now we're going to release it as a movie. There's different, I've heard different reasons why. There's on one hand, you've got Snyder saying that he didn't want people having to wait week to week for the next episode. So he wanted people to be able to consume it in one. But then apparently there's also like, because it was a film and then to put it as a TV series, there's like distribution issues and, and it can get, they can be like complicated legal problems. So in the end, they went back to releasing it as a movie, which I'm glad that they did. Yeah. It's smart as well because uh, having watched half one night and the other half right before we started recording, it's, there isn't a natural break point for even that what i did to do that four or six times is ludicrous like zach snyder is absolutely right in you should give them the option it being home release and being able to pause or even stop and then come back later is it's a godsend because you know we want bathroom breaks we want to be able to refresh our drinks and that kind of thing uh, and you know the, pe- the amount of people I've spoken to, but uh, the second it dropped, were, oh yeah, yeah, I, ju- I just sat down and banged it out, um, with only about a fifty-fifty split of people like, yeah, I watched half last night, I'm finishing it tonight, or yeah, no, no, I just banged it out as soon as it dropped, I was ready for it. Yeah, I mean, I did it, I did it in one sitting. Um, my wife lasted around a hundred minutes, and then she came back at a later date, and then she finished it. But yeah, no, I, I did it in one. I'd been waiting and I, I was I, I was prepared. I had a, because I was putting it on relatively late at night as well. I'd purchased a energy drink, a large one, to open in case of emergency, just to make yeah. sure I was awake and alert. Um, but yeah, but I mean, he did break it down into chapters though. So you, they would be natural stops. If he was going to put it out as a six-part miniseries, and then have the final episode be a little bit longer to include the epilogue. He could have done that, but I'm glad that he put it out as one. I'll do a quick run through of the of the chapters because originally I thought we'll tackle this review by doing each chapter, but that gets complicated because just yeah, getting the what we're talking about in order and placing it under the right chapter. So we have part one, don't count on it, Batman. Part two, Age of Heroes. Part three. Beloved mother, beloved son. 
Part four, change machine. Part five, all the king's horses. Part six, something darker. And then the final part was the epilogue, which started off with the nightmare scene. And we'll purposely, we'll hold that until the very end. And the title of the epilogue was A Father Twice Over. Yeah. So like we always do with these, we can start with, with the characters, but this is an interesting one because we're talking about a movie that we've kind of seen already, but isn't completely this. We can start with Ben Affleck as Batman. Like for the longest time, he was writing and set to direct a Batman movie that was going to be a sequel to this film, and it was going to be him and Deathstroke. And we kind of get in this movie a look into what that could have been like. But here we are. Like who knew? Would you know in 2021 we're seeing new footage of Ben Affleck as Batman? Yeah, and I've always said I thought Ben Affleck was a good Batman. Um, he's definitely got the serious uh, ability. Uh, he got into phenomenal shape for his turn as Batman. Um, in Batman versus Superman, those uh, sequences we had of the of his takedowns was perfect. It was so reminiscent of the Arkham games, and he really does have an attitude. And not to mention, he's one of the biggest Batman fans there is. Like one of his good friend. Kevin Smith is like the Batman fan. Like, yeah, like I, you'd struggle to find a larger one. Um, and you know, he, he, him being Ben Affleck, ha- it, it, it relates in a way for the audience of what the denizens of the universe are supposed to feel of Bruce Wayne of that's a rich guy. That's a guy with money. That's a guy who, who other people know and look up to. Um, and I always thought that was good. And his age being making him the de facto leader also makes sense because he is not like as an actor older than the rest. Although, you know, uh, obviously Wonder Woman is actually the one older than everyone else. Her characters. Um, and they have a good gag between Cyborg and Flash about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, and he's, you know, he really brings it. I think it, and with the out the extra scenes added um, from the post production from the 2017 cut to this one, there's no odd lines here or there or that make try to lighten his character, which feel unnatural compared to how we've seen him. Because you know he's he's prepared for war and he's been preparing for this battle for this film since probably adapted some of it from what he thought was going to be in a fight with Superman, but he's definitely uh, re uh, focused it into a, a battle he knew was coming from the tag at the end of Batman versus Superman. Cause he's got guns like bolted onto his, not just the Batmobile, but he's got a tank turret on there. He's got missiles and God knows what else on that airplane, which, you know, I always call the javelin, but then when you see it launch, I'm like, not quite the javelin but close enough um you know but it's i mean you know you buy that seriousness of like i've got to get this done i've got to get the recruits done and like doesn't matter that that he gets keeps getting like uh, hurdles and stuff and obstacles he's like no no just keep going keep going got to get this done um not just for me but for superman like i got to make this right um, yeah, Ben Affleck ha- can really sell that drive. 
there is a flatness that I, I'm sure people will like hit in there, but Batman always has that. It's not until he's with those he's truly comfortable around, which for this is obviously Alfred and Wonder Woman, because those are the ones he's spent the most time around that he's relaxed. Um, but yeah, he's, he's great. The suit looks great. You know, I, and it tonally, it's all consistent from this cut to what we've seen already established for the previous films. Yeah, I I think he's fantastic as Batman. I really like the the Martha scene, and by that, I'm not talking about the scene that everyone has issue with. The scene where Batman goes to save Martha, and that's where you talk yep. about comparisons with the Arkham game. Like that's one of the best on screen live action Batman action scenes ever. Like it's absolutely incredible. I rewatched the the Ultimate Edition the three-hour cut of Batman v Superman getting ready for Justice League. And it's so much better. Like, you're getting... You're actually seeing what's happening. You're spending time with Lex Luthor as he's talking about what he's doing to manipulate Batman. You're getting more of of Clark Kent investigating the Batman. And you're just getting so much more story. And we're getting that here. Like, spending more time with the actors as the characters and we're getting some of the, we're getting more smaller moments instead of it just being choppy action. And it really benefits like mentioned Alfred, Jeremy Irons. I really liked him in, you know, the first couple of movies he did is we're getting more of him here and his scenes are excellent. The part where he's trying not to take over from Wonder Woman as she's making the tea was just, yeah, it's like one of, it's like, I can't think of a better example of Alfred on screen than that moment. Yeah. It's perfectly Alfred. And there's, there's more gags here. Now this is not a cheery film. Like none of Snyder's films are really, I can't think of one that he's done where it's all smiles and laughter. Even, you know, outside of the DCEU. But what's happening here is working. But again, like, there's, there's scenes in Justice League, and, and they're not bad scenes, but I would, if you were to ask me, I would have said, yeah, Joss Whedon definitely put that in there. And it's often, you know, quite a few gags. But then I was surprised to find they're in this cut. So, okay, so yeah. obviously Snyder. You know, when you've got Barry Allen, like, what is your superpower? And he's like, I'm rich. Yeah. Honestly, I would have thought that was just Whedon, but no. So I was quite surprised by what Snyder had actually added in here. And it goes to show there was some humour. And then we do get a little bit more. Not a lot, but a little bit more. Yeah. I do think if uh if it had gotten out in twenty seventeen, uh, as he intended, without the tragedy that befell him, of course, I think there may have been a few more. But going back to it after this time, having uh, dealt with the loss of obviously his his daughter, um, this his memories attached to this movie probably attached to that time as well. Like right, yeah. those any other gags he might have had probably felt off for him, which I get as well. Like it's such a serious idea. You're gonna have your things where people have to say things of like 
like Wonder Woman and uh, uh, mentioned with Cyborg and the Flash of like, do you think she's like uh, yeah, younger dudes? Like everyone's younger compared to her dumbass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's good. And the the joke about him he being rich, which is what comic fans have been saying about Batman for years, is like, what's his superpower? Dude's got more money than God. Like that is that is a power. Like those who don't have it understand how much it's worth and how much power it has. Um, you know, and Aquaman still has a bit of his little like, like you know, uh, swinging uh, uh, bravado, which isn't as loud as it was in the Aquaman movie uh, or in the previous cut, but it's still there because. It's Jason Momoa. You're not getting that out of him completely. No, I mean, they, they've clearly wanted Momoa to be Momoa for the most part, and that's what we get. But I like his take on, on Aquaman. But my thing with Aquaman in both cuts of the movie, and, you know, we've seen his own film, which was the, the next film to be released after this one. He's not really Aquaman. I mean, he is, but he doesn't really know too much about his heritage, and he doesn't become Aquaman until his movie yeah and that's when he's got like a more classic costume and and everything else and he accepts who he is and what he needs to do so this film you really did take a step back but you had to because that's the story that snyder was telling i mean mira in this just like in the 2017 movie not just mira a lot of atlanteans sound british that's a thing british accent (laughs) <laughs> but you look at the James Wan movie, American. Yeah. Also, they went have to click at each other like dolphins, and or oh, create yeah. a bubble to actually have proper conversations. Which, um, as a visual, is looks great, uh, and as a concept of how do you how does sound travel through water in an actual scientific logical sense, it makes sense as well. But in terms of a comic book movie and a comic book thing, it's like, but they're supposed to be like water people. They're going to drag themselves and risk suffocation, have a conversation every time they need to talk to someone else. It's a bit problematic. It works when they're just doing it in parts, when he's appearing in other films. But in his own film, like, yeah, you have to just have them talking as if they weren't underwater with occasional air bubbles. And that's yeah. how James Wan tackled it. But I thought that yeah. was interesting, though, because, you know, we'll get into the epilogue again more in depth later, but Mary is a part of that. Yeah. And that's new footage, which she did after the Aquaman movie. But because earlier in the film when she appeared, she had the British accent, she had to do it again in that new footage, even though she's American in the James Wan film. She'll be an American. No, well, she's not American, but you know what I mean? She's got an American yeah. accent. Yeah. Um, speaking of Momoa, yeah, like Momoa, you, you, you cast Momoa, you want Momoa, you get Momoa. And again, just like, he, he is a, he's a great Aquaman. I think the, his Hawaiian heritage, uh, the serious nature of how they do it, you know, you don't get any real other Atlanteans except for Mira and those Cannon fodder in that one scene. It it's great. It works. He's great. Oh, you get um, you get Willem Dafoe as Volko. He's in there. Yeah, for his 
like little like exposition scenes. <laughs> That's literally if the James Wan films also. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and who who better to d- deliver such things? Defoe's got such a a great voice and presence yeah. on screen. Oh, agreed. With um, Momoa in this, like my favorite sequence of him with no dialogue, is when they're looking when just like in that first movie, or the first cut of the movie, they're looking to take down Superman. And in this version, the Flash gets thrown into Aquaman, and I don't think that happened in in the Whedon cut. But just the the look on Aquaman's face, and he points to Barry, and he's like, "I'm so sorry." But <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a really great scene. We should probably talk Superman. I mean, he comes back in this film, and it is better. The music is different here. We've got Junkie XL, who worked with Hans Zimmer on Batman v Superman back for this one. The 2017 cut, we had Danny Elfman. It was using his 89 Batman theme for Affleck. He introduced the John Williams Superman theme at the wrong time when Superman didn't quite know who he was and he was fighting the league. And then he did it again later on the film with Steppenwolf. Here, we're we're getting the awesome... Hans Zimmer music from Man of Steel, like when we're seeing the Kryptonian ship. And that music is so good. And I'm so glad that we got that music back in this. So when we've got Cavill back as Superman, we've got Chunky XL doing the Zimmer music. Yeah. And, you know, Henry Cavill, what can you say? The guy is Superman. He's got the right look. He's built like no one's business. Like if you, if you needed someone, if you needed to point to someone to point out, like, what would you think Superman would look like? They would point to Henry Cavill in the shape he is for these movies. He is, uh, he's quite the unit. Um, and he's that genuineness. I mean, when he's angry, uh, when he first comes back and he's confused, you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Things, things aren't well, but when he's genuine and he's like happy and he's like, gets his memory back and he's having his moment with, uh, Martha and Lois, like there's, oh, there's I, my smiley. Yes, I honestly, I'm one of I'm one of those people that just wants more Cavill as Superman. And I know I'm not alone in that. And yeah. whenever we got Superman, Lois, Martha, I never wanted those scenes to end. I just want more more time there, and not the but one of the emotional cause of this film is you know mother coming to terms with losing a son you've got lois missing clark there's so much there and and the and when lois is like you're really back and he starts to remember who he is when he takes it to smallville to the, to the farm and then you've got the dirt track and martha's driving up there and she sees him it's brilliant like i loved i loved all of that but we do get that scene earlier on before Superman comes back and it's in Lois's apartment and Martha like played once again, brilliantly by Diane Lane. Like yeah. she is so good. She plays it so well. And she goes to see Lois and she gives this big, she gives a big speech about how, you know, you need to start living again. Like you've not been to work. I thought it was odd when she made reference to Mr. Perry. Well, that's yeah. a bit weird, referring to, to Perry White. But we get this yeah. 
awesome emotional exchange between Lois and Martha. And then Martha leaves, closes the door behind her. Her eyes glow red. It's only the bloody Martian Manhunter. Yeah, which uh, that was uh, the part that threw me. I'm like, wait a minute. So that really touching emotional moment wasn't Martha? What's Martha doing right now? We know she's not at the house. What's yeah, Martha doing? Some... Do I like the fact that Martian Manhunter is in this film? I mean, I, yes. yes, I do. And it's been rumored for, for a long time. Remember the marketing campaign for, for the 2017 movie, Unite the Seven? Yeah. But then there was six. I mean, yeah. now there's seven. So they finally united the seven. But um, yeah, I thought that was such a good scene. And, it, and both actors gave such strong performances. And, you know, it really gets you. And then you find out, oh, no, it wasn't really her future mother-in-law. It was John Jones, the Martian Manhunter. So I liked the reveal. But again, watching, I've watched this movie twice now and disappointed each time, even though I knew the second time, obviously, but disappointed yeah. that it wasn't actually actually Martha. And I get the reason why. And he wanted to, you know, because at this point he didn't know Superman was coming back, and he wanted to start living his life, her life. But it yeah. would have been so much better if that was actually Martha having that conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot, she continues to be phenomenal. Um, and the use of her, her track, again, like, used sparingly, but at the absolute right moments. Um, she does, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. They add, they add yeah. to it as well, though, because, yeah, you, you do get the, it's like an electric cello, isn't it, that we first got yep. in Batman v Superman. We got it in Wonder Woman, her first movie after No Man's Land. But then, they, yeah, they do it here, and you write sparingly, but they also do, they've got the female vocals, and they've got that layered on top as well. Sometimes they'll use that, sometimes they'll combine it, but they're doing something different with with her music, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's she, she is Wonder Woman, and, you know, if she's, she's probably, it's probably, from runtime alone, it probably goes first actor, Batman, second actor, Wonder Woman. They're doing the bulk yeah, of the yeah, lifting yeah. for this yeah, movie. It's, it's not Superman, is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. We, we have to wait quite a while for his few lines. But um, yeah. yeah, Wonder Woman, she's definitely up there. But And that scene is so much longer as well, where she's taking down the bad guy, she's saving the school children, and there's a lot more bullets fired. And it, yeah. was, it was like watching a comic book page come to life. Like when she's like deflecting all those bullets, incredible. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got to think like, we're in, a, I mean, with these Snyder films, he basically, he wants to, he wants, he really wants to give that this is a real lived in world. And then these superheroes are a part of it. So it's got yep. more of a grit to it. And they've started to move away from that, you know, with like Aquaman, Shazam and all of those. But we're very much reminded that this is a, this is a Zack Snyder film. So she's got this bad guy in his relentless. He keeps coming out, he's firing at the children and everything else. So what does she do? Using her bracelets. I mean, 
disintegrates him. I'm pretty sure that's yeah, what, he must, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Oh, that's what I took from it. Because it also took out the entire, like, that entire wall behind him. Like, that was dust. Like, that dude is Adams. Yeah. And she's got a shield. She's got a sword like Batman v Superman. Uh, be, you yeah. know, Wonder Woman 1984, which technically took place before the events of this film. Very, very different. Different Diana in that. But this is the Snyder Wonder Woman. And yeah, yeah she's disintegrating bad guys, chopping off heads. She's uh, yeah. she's taking no prisoners. Yeah, which she, I've right, always, she's fantastic. Yeah, um, the only thing I'll say about that sequence in the bank is, that, and it happens with a couple of scenes where they waffle on a bit because he's been allowed to let them breathe completely. I'm like, yeah, this is there's a reason why you get kind of smash cuts and things. You don't need to watch guys scale all of the stairs. Like they get into the bank. They start rounding up the people. They w- run them up the stairs. And then you're like, this is real time. This is exactly, exactly how long it would take to get these people into this hallway. And I'm like, I'm like, this, like, you could have trimmed some of this out. I understand why he didn't. But as from an editing point of view, it does yeah. show you in the filmmaking, like, like how they get some pace back in a movie when of this type. You're like, oh, you just, they, they cut in, you start seeing all the people, you cut to the stairs, cut to pushing them into the hallway, yeah, and you take out, you know, like two or three minutes in just doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's still really well done. Still really well put together. Um, someone who actually gets not just screen time, but a story and an important part, uh, which was missing from a lot of the original cut, Um Victor Stone, played by Ray Fisher, the cyborg. And I mentioned before talking about Superman, saying you know that he's not necessarily the mo- emotional core, but we do get a, a lot from him. But the emotional core of this film, like, like he, the heart of this film, it's cyborg. It really is. Yeah. And the fact that that wasn't the case with the Joss Whedon movie is just crazy. It so much of this film is happening around this character. Like yeah, he's, he's the, the one, one who can't move on. He's the one that they need the most being that it's his ability. That's going to like stop the mother boxes from actually fusing properly. You know, and it's, he's the one who's there. Batman tries like is obviously willing he's the one who's completely committed to like like if this kill takes me out it it's worth it like he's completely committed to getting it done um yeah yeah he, he has to yeah. go through the much i mean this this should have been an old whole movie itself which you know this is someone something of uh my housemate commented of you can see why this movie is uh, four hours because dc really should have forgiven us a flash movie and a cyborg movie before giving us the actual justice league. But you know, the fact that cyborg so essential to this, you probably couldn't give him his own, like the way it's integrated into this. He he's like the, the main key part of the plot he's made from mother box tech. Yeah. He understands it. He's, yeah, he's, the, yeah his character is, is integral. Like, Aquaman is good in this, but he's not absolutely integral, really, where yeah. Cyborg is. 
he has to he has to be a part of this film. But then we're getting his origin in this film. We're getting flashbacks with him and his mum, his dad. We're getting a lot of time spent with his dad as well, who's been working at Star Lab. So we've got all of that. And yeah, and again, it's crazy to me that Joss Whedon was able to remove so much of Cyborg in his cut of the film. Because yeah. this, this, this footage was all done. Like, it was shot, like, outside yeah. the epilogue. So Warner Brothers had it, and they just chose not to do it and go in a different direction. You know, you were talking about that fight scene with Wonder Woman and showing real time. You made me think of the, the scene where they're going to rescue Cyborg's dad, and it's got the Justice League slowly walking upstairs. It reminded yeah. me of the scene from Ghostbusters when they're climbing to the top of the building. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of, how many floors? <laughs> I know, because it's like action, action music, and then it just pauses, and they're like just slowly walking upstairs, and then cuts to some more action. Yeah, it was a bit, I don't think it was supposed <laughs> to be funny, but I found it a bit a bit comical. But Ray Fisher, yeah, he's a guy that I don't think he'd done too much film and TV. He had a, he's got a background in Broadway, hasn't he? He's a... I think yeah, it's stage. Yeah, he's come yeah. from the stage, and he's in this movie, and it was very choppy what we got from him in that first cut. And I've always, outside of you know, a, you know, his performance or anything like that, I've struggled with the idea of Cyborg being a member of the Justice League anyway, because that's not something that was a thing until the New Fifty Two. Yeah, and it's been changed again since. But that's the. This is the lineup that, that we're following in these movies, but I've always had a thing with because for me, Cyborg is a teen titan, but I can accept him as part of these films. And again, the fact is so is so integral. But this is an actor that outside of the the film is, you know, his you know, legal cases and you know, whatever else has been going on, and, and he's come out and said certain things about certain people. And um, so this guy's definitely had a hard time since making the movie back in 2016, 2017, yeah, um, so to say. But now, hopefully, on the back of this release, he's really going to get recognised for the work that he's put in. Yeah, and he's got to do all that acting with all but half his face in shot. Like, that's really hard to act around. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's, he's great. Um, and... I found the same problem uh, I had with the first one pretty much fixed with this one with Ezra Miller's Flash. Like in the original cut, given the kind of this, the the strange uh, momentum and alteration and the tones of the scenes uh, and what little you had from his character, he came up, he, he had read a bit as uh, autistic or maybe with Asperger's because he just didn't seem to have social skills whereas in this given the amount of time and the, the scenes to breathe and actually have interactions with those around him and also being you know the first one to actually like uh other than uh batman and wonder woman actually be like yeah i'm in on the team uh being like the the cheerleader uh is that there is actually a, a full character there and and uh you know i can see why they were they cast him in the first place. Where in the previous cut, you're like, this this is your Flash. He's not given us a whole lot. No, I uh, honestly, you know, the first time we got to see him as Flash, I mean, we got that little almost cameo in Batman v Superman, 
So the first time we really got to spend time with him was in Justice League. And Flash is one of my favourite characters, always has been. And I just did not like the performance. I wasn't too familiar with Ezra Miller. And I just wasn't into it at all. And then like they did the, um, the crossover for the CW Crisis on Infinite Earths. And you actually had Ezra Miller Flash meet Grant Gustin, the Flash from the TV show. And I was like, oh, it's okay, I guess. It's kind of novel. But again, I wasn't really invested in the Ezra Miller Flash. This version of the movie, like no competition, is one of the best things about it. He yeah. is so good. It, that scene with Iris West, which isn't in the 2017 cut, is phenomenal. He's going for the job interview at the pet store, and then you've got him rescuing Iris, and all of that is so good. And he got the scenes with him and his dad. You've still got those good gags that were in both cuts of the film where Batman's going to recruit him and he's like, I'm in. I don't have a lot of friends. And it just worked so well. So sometimes, like, because I was irritated by him in that first film. And sometimes you think, okay, so we've got an irritating character. We're going to give you more time with this character. It's probably not going to go well. Whereas I had the opposite reaction and I thought he was excellent as, as the Flash and he got to generally do some big heroics and he was integral. Like he was needed to bring Superman back because he needed a charge that he would be able to provide and he's doing these big things. Think back to the first cut of the movie, that big third act battle and... He's just running people out of the city. There was a car breaking down and he held on to from behind and he pushed it to safety. And he was, oh, and he didn't know his directions as well in the Joss Whedon cut, which you think, oh, this guy's meant to be like really intelligent and he doesn't know he's like, you know, that, that I, found, I found quite odd. But yeah, this film, The Flash was fantastic and has me very excited for his movie, which they are developing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's just, just nice to get it all together. As I said, like, seeing all of these scenes play out as they were intended in the, with context, uh, it's just everything the original film wasn't. Um, and they did all the, this building to future films we might not ever get. I say might not because given the, the strong backing behind what we've had so far, it's entirely possible, but I know, but the, the problem with that, though, right? because I, I generally believe this movie will be Snyder's last DC movie, and we're not going to get what he intended to be Justice League 2, Justice League 3, on the basis that since this movie came out, he's talked at length to any interviewer who will listen specific plot points yeah. on what it was going to be which is very much in line with what we've got in this movie and previous movies. And the only way you could really do it now is to change it up, which would be changing things that he's set up. So he's, he's got a record and said what it was going to be. Like in this film, we get the scene with Lois when she gets her ID badge out and there's a pregnancy kit. Yeah. Reveal yeah. that she's pregnant. Lois and Superman have a son who they named Bruce, Bruce Kent, who after the death of Batman 
he has no powers himself and he grows up and takes on the mantle of Batman. Snyder's just put it all out there. Apparently what was said, set to happen was it was all about saving Lois because in the second Just League movie, apparently, according to Snyder, which is, you know, it's his story, Darkseid kills Lois and she's pregnant with his child. And that starts him on his dark path and then Darkseid turns him and then he's evil. And it's the Flash in the third Just League movie that goes back in time to save Lois, but in doing so, Batman is killed by Darkseid. Yeah. So it's, and there's, there's so much more story. Like, it's like, honestly, Snyder has gone into in-depth about what was going to happen in those sequels. And if there was any notion that they were going to get to them at a later point, it wouldn't have just spilled it all. And he'd have, yeah. to, he'd have to change it up because yeah. he's told us all now. And there's other story points as well. We don't need to get into it. But he is, again, he's been very open on what would have happened in future movies. Yeah, not to mention uh, the studio heads who he had his original agreements with have been changed like multiple times over since then. Right. So whoever he had initially had all this set up with, uh, God knows where they are because they're definitely not head of Warner Brothers anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lot of those people are going to be gone by now. Um, Jesse Eisenberg is back as Lex. And I've got to be honest, the kid from Social Network, when he was cast, and I did like him in Zombieland, and he's done other things that I've liked. The idea of him as Lex, I've always struggled with. I've spent a bit of time with him now, so we get his appearance here, which was a post-credit scene in the original cut. Is with Deathstroke. I can go with him a little bit more, but I don't know. He just looks like a Too kid. Young. Yeah. yeah, he looks like a kid. He looks younger than Michael Rosenbaum did in Smallville, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I've always found, I mean, they always had the thing in the comics where Lex was older. He was, that's why he hates Superman. He'd spent his life building up and building public trust and all this stuff to be Gotham's, uh, like, uh, son. And then Superman shows up with his abilities and just takes it overnight. And Le- and that's like one of Lex's big like chips on his shoulder, which is why he's so yeah. Lex. Where yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. The, the the age definitely is a thing. Like you mentioned, you know, Ben Affleck as Batman. Like he's he's been Batman, or should I say, Bruce Wayne as Batman. He's been Batman for like twenty years. Yeah, he's been around. So the idea that Lex is as young as he is, and looks a lot younger than Henry Cavill. It does seem a little bit odd, but, you know, he's got a smart suit, he's got a yacht, he's got a bald head, so he is looking, you know, more more like Lex Luthor. But then, if you look, I don't know, like, on TV, you know, the Supergirl series, they've got John Cryer, of all people. He's actually yeah. pretty good, but he's an older Lex. I think Lex works better when he when he's older, but this is the yeah, it's supposed to be like old ideas, like busting up against new ideas. But yeah, like you said, like you've said, he doesn't do a bad job. It's just so not Lex as you know. He spent seventy-five years, nearly eighty years now, um, being drilled into us. Yeah, uh, it's very different when you read the comics. Um, one person we've completely overlooked is uh, 
I don't know how you pronounce this name, but the character, the actor who actually plays Steppenwolf, uh, Kieran Hines. I think it's um, it's Kieran Kieran Hines. Yeah, um, he does great performance. Uh, the the visual effects are amazing. I did find his armor to be very much the future sentinels from x-men days of the future past i could not help yeah. thinking that every time i saw it on screen the living armor i i wasn't that into that i remember like when they first started showing the differences between what stephen wolf would look like in both cuts of the film and this is a new improved version and i just don't like the look of the living armor when you, when you see stephen wolf and he in his um, is approached by dark side or dark side appears to him so the armor comes down and you see what he's like. He looks like a hammerhead shark and visually, and he's like got very emotive eyes. Well, that's, yeah. know, that's pretty cool. I like that. But when he's got the armor on, I'm not too sure about that look, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely distracting. And it also makes him look the side as well when you see them we, we actually get to see dark side and then to get those three one after another after another you're like are they actually the same race race like in the comics there's vast differences in facial structures and stuff between yeah, all the, three of them to the point where all yeah. three of them look like aliens but different no, aliens they, they often look human like steppenwolf looks human though doesn't he yeah doesn't yeah, he just have like a black mustache it's like a bloke with a black mustache like yeah, he's, he's not really, you know, he does look quite, yeah, and Desaad as well, and Granny Goodness, like crazy that like, we get to see Granny Goodness in this. She's got no dialogue, yeah. she's uncredited, um, so we don't know which actress is playing her, but she's stood beside Darkseid. You know, there's a weird thing that I found this, because we don't actually get introduced to Darkseid in the first cut of the movie. Steppenwolf is the big bad of that film, and it always felt as though that wasn't enough. So there's a lot more going on here. But before this movie was released, like Snyder even came out and said that this movie isn't canon. The Joss Whedon one is. So when you're looking at all the other movies that are going to come out, like, you know, whether it's the sequel to Shazam or whatever, they are all following on from Joss Whedon's Justice League. Yeah. The odd thing there, though, is technically, even though we've seen it in this cut of the film, we've not actually been introduced to Darkseid yet within yeah. the DCEU. So they they still need to do that at some point. It's just weird that, you know, we get his cool introduction here, but it's not canon technically hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's odd. Although we do get to see his Omega Beams in action. Which was pretty cool. He's yeah. taking down Atlanteans. We get a sequence, Aquaman's dead, Wonder Woman's dead. It's a Snyder movie. People die. <laughs> like a lot of people yeah. die. But you're right though. Like gotta give credit to Kieran Hines. Like he he is great. Um, we get a different performance from him here, and it's matching the redesign. Um, he's more menacing, he sounds vulnerable when he needs to. Do you know what? Yeah. Kieran Hines and Stephen Wolf in the Snyder Cut is a more realized character. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like we're getting motivations. Like he, he's he's trying to he's trying to please Darkseid. Like he's not the big bad. Yeah, it's so many more layers to him. Like again, he actually, even though he's still CGI, he feels more like a real character. 
unlike yeah. in that first film. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal CGI, like epic quality CGI, but yeah, it still get, captures much more of the performance that was missing from that original cut. And speaking of Dark Side, we've got Ray Porter. So he's motion capture. I'm not sure. Is he doing? Does he do the voice as well? I know he's doing the the movements. Is he just one person playing so. Dark Side? I'd imagine so, because this has to be all new footage since it wasn't originally cut, uh, shot, to my knowledge. But it had been cast in that first film. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure, sure this... It's not, I mean, with the, the, I, it's not a yeah. voice I recognise. Right, okay. You know, I've just um, looked... I've just um, taken a moment to check my notes there. Um, yes, so he... He's also the, the voice as well. Because he had to go yeah. through different vocal gymnastics trying to figure out the voice. So there you go. It's like it's all it's all Ray Porter. He's doing yeah. the motion capture and he's doing the voice. Yeah. Um and he, he does a good job. Um obviously it it's gonna draw comparisons naturally to Thanos and his early appearances before we get Infinity War. I know, but, but Thanos all they did was sit down. Yeah. Until the later movies, that was it. He was just sitting down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I th- there's plenty left for him to get to if they ever get around to it in the rest of the movies because there are supposed to be still work. I don't know if they're supposed to be still working to joint Justice League movies, uh, or if, but I think the plan is all of them will be owned separate and even the Justice League movie, there's not going to be threads no. building towards one big threat. So we'll see. We'll see if we actually get there. We mentioned Martian Manhunter earlier. We should really say that in Man of Steel and again in Batman v Superman, we had Harry Lennox playing Calvin Swanwick. He was the military guy that we find out all along was Martian Manhunter. So that was a nice reveal. And interestingly, something the actor wasn't aware of when he was playing the part <laughs> in Man of Steel, but it's something that Snyder has always intended. But interestingly, though, right? So when you get, as part of the epilogue, we won't go into it too much, but the part between Bruce when he wakes from the nightmare and then Martian Manhunter is hovering outside his house. Originally, that was John Stewart. Yeah. It, and That's Warner Brothers... Yeah, Warner Brothers said, nope, you can't use John Stewart. So instead, he used Martian Manhunter, which I think is a good trade-off. And we do still get yeah. some Green Lanterns in this film, including a dead Kilowog. Not happy about that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but we get the scene between Martian Manhunter and Bruce Wayne. And what's interesting there, that we do know is new footage. And I've got to say, so it's you know how many years later, what we're talking, four, so four years later, three, four years later, four? Ben Affleck looks great. <laughs> he does look great. He really does. You know, he's, yeah. I mean, come on. But I know we've getting, we're getting our Pattinson, or Robert Pattinson, should I say, in The Batman, yeah. which is completely separate to all of this. But yeah, like seeing Affleck again as Bruce Wayne, still got it. And yeah. that Maybe in that Flashpoint movie, we are getting Michael Keaton Batman. Maybe they bring back Ben Affleck. He's in yeah, shape. Yeah, maybe. He's ready. Yes, and Affleck's good. You know, he's got a lot of good. 
he's got a lot of good movies and performances. So, so who knows? But that was interesting, though. Like hearing Snyder come out and providing an example of Warner Brothers saying you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And but that's all because of that still in development Green Lantern show for HBO Max, which I'm, you know, because of the uh, the times we're in with COVID nineteen. Still no real confirmation. Just it's still happening. Obviously, they're not starting the uh, the pro- all the processes required. Um, it's got to be all pre-production design work and plans and and really getting nailed nailing in those yeah. uh, those stories and scripts. But yeah. you know, eventually they'll cast these things and we'll find out what it is we're getting and hopefully some idea of when. Uh, I know as of time of recording of this. Uh, keeping track of it in the US, they're hoping to get uh, roll out vaccines to uh, most normal adults by the start sometime early April, and get they're hoping for full vaccination uh, late May, early June, but they will be actually like legislatively releasing their. Um, restrictions right yeah so that will that will free up um the studios to actually get back to recording and yep. normal that's good for them but here in australia we um just have to wait a little bit longer but we don't have to spend too much time talking about that um, costumes there's one noticeable difference in this movie and it's very strange that for the longest time warner brothers denied that there was footage of Henry Cavill in a black suit. Yeah. Very strange. And it had been rumoured for years. And then, yeah. of course, here we are. We've got Superman wearing the black suit, like he did in the comics. And you had Reign of the Superman, Return of Superman after the death and by Doomsday. And he came back and he had a black suit. But in that, he didn't have a cape. And the reason he had a black suit it was because he came back depowered, and it was was it something to do with like the suit was storing solar energy, solar and energy, and it was going to help him get his powers back quicker. But in, yeah, but in, in this film though, that's not what it's for. It's just it's a design choice. You know, Superman's back. He goes. Yeah, it's back supposed to, to be ship. a nod to his Kryptonian heritage because those are Kryptonian colors. Yes, that's that's exactly right. And it's good that you saw the Jor-El armor, you saw the blue suit, and and everything else. And in this movie, like for the most part, you only see the black suit. I mean, the opening was interesting. We didn't really talk about that when he showed Superman dying again, but and this time out. he was like yelling in pain, and and yes, and that was that like, signaling to the mother boxes that. You know, the earth is ready. <laughs> like you can come yeah. and attack because there's no more Kryptonian. So that that was a cool uh, visual there. But we saw him in the blue suit there. But then almost all the movie is just in the black suit. And when you have them save the day, you know, as we all hope they would, everyone's going back to doing their thing. Like Batman's brooding, and everyone's doing their thing. And I was a little disappointed, if I'm honest. Like when you got the bit with Cavill as Clark Kent in the street, and he did this, he ripped the shirt open, and he still had the black suit on. That's yeah. one thing I can say I preferred about the Whedon cut because you saw we had the blue costume on. Yeah, definitely. It's 
It is his colours. And, you know, as I said, 80 years, the character's been in the red, blue, and yellow. Uh, and it is a nice, vibrant suit. Those are all primary colours. It set the stage that all heroes wear primary colours and villains use secondary colours. Yep. That's, uh, that's a comic book rule for those who aren't aware. That's why uh, Green Lantern, sorry, Green Goblin and uh, so many car- uh, villains are green and purple. Uh, and why so many villains are purple in general, because purple's the secondary color. We're talking the Sentinels. We're talking Magneto. We're talking about uh, Thanos and um, uh, the Mongol from DC and so many other characters because they all Lex use Luthor. secondary colors. Exactly. He's green purple and purple. Purple and green, yeah. Uh, and that's why. So, you know, it, it shows off that the trust also a little bit of the, the red and blue for the US of A, but you can know. I can I just say I didn't know that. Really? <laughs> I honestly didn't know that. But when you say it that, you know, the heroes have the primary colours, the villains have the secondary colours. Ah oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. It's a good choice. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why Hulk's uh in green and purple because you he because he's perceived as a bad guy. Because he he makes a mess and runs away, right? Uh, that truck and it's the military. Yeah, he'll still like. We need to stop this maniac. Ah, that's cool. I didn't know that, but yes. Yeah, so, so, but the black suit, you end up with that at the end. You know, we even got to see the black suit for a different reason in the final season of Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. Remember that Dean Cain yeah. had the black suit and had a blue S. That was pretty cool. But again, yeah. the suit for a different reason. But in this, yeah, we've got. Superman back and it's a lot more impressive his return in this movie compared to what we'd seen previously and yeah, yeah he's really going to town on Stephen Wolf and the use of his powers and visually it looks fantastic yeah it, yeah. Was, it was really cool yeah. also the Flash not making it to the, the mother box in time and just reversing time enough to get it back to the point where he needs it to be to touch yeah. it. And then he does the same at the end in the finale. He's, he's, he's been shot and he doesn't get to where he needs to be. And so he just reverses everything to the point where he can fix it. I'm like, it's, it, that's important stuff they needed to put in yeah. for what will be obviously his own film. And yeah, like, yeah, as you said, what was the planned third Justice League movie for him actually Event <laughs> end gaming it. Let's be honest. Yeah, end yeah. yeah. Heist, <laughs> but it's not happening heist. now. They, they, they're no. not going to do. It. Yeah, it's very, it's very similar. But even then, there's that great moment, like when Flash is like, because Cyborg has a vision of the nightmare future. Yeah, and he says no, and Flash goes, "Did you say go?" Yeah, <laughs> he didn't, but he goes anyway. So already, you're like, even though we want Superman back, you're like, yeah, but we kind of think, well, maybe this is not a good idea. But yeah. it's going to happen anyway. And, you know, as mentioned, Superman comes back with the rest of the Justice League. They defeat Stephen Wolf. They drive Darkseid back, who makes a point of saying that we need to still go to Earth, but the old-fashioned way. We need to use ships. We can't yeah. just use a portal. So we need to go the long way, essentially. But then we get yeah. the the epilogue and more of the nightmare sequence. We've got Cyborg there, Mirrors there, Batman, 
Deathstroke with a new hairdo. That was yeah. um, cool. But also, just going back quickly, Lex Luthor reveals to Deathstroke that Bruce Wayne's Batman. That was yeah. cool. That was cool. And he's like, oh, it's time to celebrate after all. And then he has a yeah. switch. That was really cool. But yeah, but in the future, we don't know what's happened. We've got these characters together. But then the character that wasn't originally in the cup, Jared Leto as Joker. Yeah. And um, a different Joker. Whether he's covered him up, I don't know. But we don't get the stupid tattoos. So we don't have damaged written across his forehead. Time's passed. He's got longer hair. Um, he's, you know, his red lipstick or makeup's a lot more smudged. And yeah. we're getting a, a different Joker here. What did you think to that? I definitely think it was uh, improved because the, the problem with the Jared Leto Joker, as everyone perceived it, was it wasn't just the, the tattoos and things and the idea that the Joker would, have, would, would actually be able to sit for the amount of time it takes to get a tattoo, never mind about a bunch of tattoos. But the, the kind of like kind of street thug version that they had gone with um, rubbed people the wrong way because it was missing the theatrics um, and and that kind of stuff where this one felt more more unhinged and more antagonistic. Yes, like he's yeah. he's he's looking to get under inside your head and under your skin. Um, and he's still a little broken. You know, you get the reveal that Harley's dead. Uh, so yes. everyone's lost something. That was, that was really, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with all of that. That was an interesting part with the performance is that Joker was pushing and provoking Batman. As soon as Batman mentions the death of Harley, it snaps Joker out of it. That was yeah. that was interesting. I really liked that and felt true, true to the character. I wasn't too keen on Joker talking about giving Batman a reach around, to be honest. That <laughs> felt very Kevin Smith to me. <laughs> Not necessarily yeah. something we get in a movie. But, you know, it, it was in there. It was a gag. It's something that Leto had he'd done the line and he was pretty sure they wouldn't keep it in the movie. But, you know, of course... Of course they did. You know, an interesting thing with having Jared Leto back in this movie, he becomes the first actor to betray the Joker twice in live action. Yeah. It's, it's not so been done before. And I, I can just imagine, you know, because he did what he did in Suicide Squad and then Joaquin Phoenix, like incredible performance in Joker. And you can just imagine Leto just being like, oh man, that's excellent. Oh, and I, I didn't get to do anything like that. And now yeah. all of a sudden, here he is back again as the Joker. Yeah, and he gets to show, like, you see that that crack in the Joker facade, yes. which yeah, you know, um, it's good because he, he is a talented actor. People can say what they will about um, how they find him personally, but you know, this is someone who was nominated for Academy Awards for his performances, um, and I've I've never had a problem with. Uh, anything he's done in terms of acting ability. Like I think it's great in no. Blade Runner 2049 and, uh, you know, obviously um, the, the Lincoln lawyer. No, I struggled. It was a film. He was, uh, I think it was, um, um, oh, it was the Matthew McConaughey one, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it the, oh, what was it? I, I'm blanking, but yeah, I know the yeah. movie. It's the one where I think he played the cross dresser. Yeah. 
that's the movie. Yeah, and he got yeah. That was an Academy Award nominated performance. Um, you know, he's he knows he knows how to perform. His Morbius movie looks really interesting. Like so, yeah. It, it's mean, nice to get in, it's nice yeah. to get the chance at redemption at a character that people had previously thought. No, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I'll I'll watch Morbius, of course I will. You know, just like I watched um, the Venom movie with the idea of them making Spider-Man movies without Spider-Man. Not too sure about that. But him as Joker in this, yeah, really, really good. And he does a thing. Like, he kind of, I can't remember which part it is exactly, even though I watched the movie twice. But it's almost like, a blank stare it kind of just looks and he's the shape of his face looks a little bit off and he generally looks quite creepy which you should get that from the joker he is a creepy character but yeah. i often don't get creepy from him but i did from from leto's performance here yeah. Yeah. i did also like the costume department's little thing of uh all the different sheriff badges on his on uh, desk. yeah yeah very cool yeah i should have Give a shout out to Joe Morton, of course, as Silas Stone, the uh, father of the cyborg. Um, I mean, he's been playing that part since Terminator 2. He's really yeah, good at playing that, that type of character. <laughs> he is, he is. If you need a character like that, give a, give Joe a call. Yeah, but you're right. He does play the part very, very well. And when you've got his son being the heart of the film, like he's pretty integral in a lot of that. So, yes, we do get a good performance from him. Yeah, and also, also always special shout out to J.K. Simmons and Connie Nelson. Oh, J.K. Simmons! Yeah, we get a little bit more. I was getting ready to wrap it up, Jay. I really was, but you're right. Yeah. We, should, we should go through a couple more of these characters. Uh, J.K. Simmons. You know, I saw somebody put something up online about J.K. Simmons, and it had a shot of him without the hat and his little in his hair, and yeah. said, "Looks like he needs a Snyder cut." Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. He's got this little hair. Yeah, yeah, he he was good because we got that brief scene between him and Crispus Allen, who, if you've read comics, you would know becomes the Spectre, which was yeah. pretty cool. A novel having having him in there. Yeah, he he was good. We get that scene again, like in that first cut with him on the roof. The heroes disappear. The Flash is left there. Oh, they've all just left. That's rude. It's fun. It's a, yeah. it's a good little scene. Yeah, but of course he's replaced now by Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, but that's the thing, though, isn't it? Like he, like Jeffrey Wright isn't Gordon in the DCEU, so there's still room. Yeah, for J.K. Simmons, if they if they wanted to to bring him back, because the Batman, Matt Reeves, what he's doing there is very much a different thing to anything yeah. else that we're seeing here, or even in the Flash film. Yeah. Before I address you for your rating, then, <laughs> is, is there anything else that no, you want to no. talk about? There's nobody else that I forgot? No, no, I think it is definitely time for ratings. Okay, then I will let you bravely go first. What would you rate this movie out of five? Yeah, I think, I think they've, it really shows uh, what the, the original potential of the DCEU was. You know, this is the culmination of what Zack Snyder had planned from Man of Steel. Um, not the entire culmination, but at least the logical step. And you could see the progression and the improvement or as he was got more um, familiar with the universe in general. I've I got to give this a four out of five. 
it is long and it is a, one that multiple people most a lot of people will want to be watching in uh installments that being said it does it will pl- play better if you can sit for the f- full four hours um cgi is phenomenal uh the music's really well put together some really good choice tracks as well from uh nick cave and uh, other um artists of that nature that help set your mood and it's it's the stuff for characters that you know if we see them again great they've got something out of this at least to build on in terms of oh yeah this worked this is this is how we want it this is this is the spot we should be like aiming for but yeah um if you're a dc fan especially um and you've you uh, you just you need to check this out this is it is the serious stuff it is a good counterbalance to the marvel um fun but it it works brilliantly four out of five yeah i mean this this movie is a lot i was gonna say it's a lot of fun that's probably the wrong choice of words it's very entertaining it's a very well put together movie i was really looking forward to it was not disappointed it's like like since since a kid, I dreamed of there being a Justice League film. Like these these characters that I've been fans of like my whole life coming together for the first time in live action on the big screen, and it should have been epic. And that 2017 movie wasn't. Whereas this movie, it is epic. Like it's that's, it's a very good word to use to describe this movie on the whole. So there's so much of it that I did enjoy. Um. But like yourself, I'm going to come in at a four out of five. For the most part, I did really like this. Um, I was disappointed with the loads of mouth scene, although you still do get to, you still do get that scene, but you find out it's not what's really happening. Uh, I'm okay with this film just being this cut of the film and it not necessarily be canon, knowing that even though I did enjoy this film, I don't necessarily need my DC films to be dark. I'm okay with them being a little bit lighter, like what we get with the with the, with the Marvel films for the most part. So moving away from this di- direction, I'm okay with, but I, I do still like this movie for what it is. But I mean, this movie ends with Evil Superman again, and I'm like, oh man, can we not do that, Zach? Can we not just have like, just Superman be like just this good guy? Like I know like you're laying groundwork for future films and stories, but can we not just have Superman be a good guy? Oh, and actually, we do get the blue suit again, but it's him being evil in the future or the nightmare sequence. So like, yeah, come on, as a big Superman guy, I, I can't help but take away for for that. So that's why it's not higher than higher than a four for me because it's clearly the direction we're going to go in. Evil Superman again. The only evil Superman I'm, I'm okay with is the one from Superman 3, the drunk in the bar. <laughs> That's a good yeah. evil Superman. But other than that, just give me good guy Superman. And we do get him for the most part in this film. Uh, but we know that if Snyder was to continue, it'd be evil again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, worked brilliantly for the uh, Injustice games uh, and the comics that went with it. And it is always a very interesting premise to see characters you know twisted. But yeah, we 
in the current movie canon, we are still waiting for fully realized, like, like Superman, Superman. We've got him on a TV show. Let's get him on the big screen. And, and that's it. Like, I'm happy with what we're getting on the TV show. That show, Superman and Lois, so far, four episodes in, is a lot of fun. That one is fun. And I'm really enjoying it. The pilot episode, especially, is very cinematic more than any other CW pilot for the DC shows. But yeah, give us good guy Superman. But even then, they're talking about a black Superman. So not necessarily a new take on Clark Kent, but a different Superman from maybe a different Earth. Yeah. So they're not necessarily talking Henry Cavill. They've cast Supergirl for the Flash movie. So it's like Warner Brothers are doing everything they can to put super characters on the big screen that aren't Henry Cavill as Superman. I'm hoping that can change. And there's someone at Warner Brothers that watches this cut of the movie and they're like, hang on, this guy's got something. Maybe we should give him a Man of Steel too. So we all live in hope. Hopefully that, yep. will, that will happen. And in that movie, Jay, hopefully it doesn't turn evil because <laughs> they've done it. Don't keep doing it. Don't keep doing it because that's that's what's going to happen. He came back in this movie, didn't quite know who he was, so he's fighting the Justice League. Was it a fun scene? Yes, it was. But I don't want him fighting the good guys all the time. Yeah, let him fight yeah. the bad guys. Yeah, they've DC got they've got, got Legion. <laughs> yes, they've got enough out of there. Oh, there's one more guy we should credit: Jimmy Olsen from the Chris Reeve Superman movies is in this cut of the film. Mark McClure. He's an, he plays the cop that Lois is taking the copy to each time. Ah, oh, wow, he's much older. <laughs> yes, it's been a while. So we knew that he was going to be in the movie, but it was cut from the Just Whedon version. And I'm pretty sure it may be in some of the trailers. But in, yeah. in this cut of the movie, we get two scenes with him. So yeah. that, was, um, that was pretty pretty good. Well, that's it for our episode all about Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Keep an eye out for our next show, Red, starring Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, John Malkovich, and Helen Mirren. As always, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>